We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the September 13th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Today, we are talking to Davis Maddock, who is the host of the TakeCast here at Rotoviz, contributor to Roto Experts, as well as being a Rotoviz OG. Davis is one of the instrumental core people here at the Viz and just fantastic at analyzing players and accurately finding those diamonds in the rough before they explode. He's an excellent, excellent follow on Twitter at Davis Maddock, and he is the ideal person to have on the bag this week to preview week two after an incredibly exciting week one. Davis, sir, thanks so much for joining us on The Bag. Are you ready for a follow-up to an incredible week one? Oh, so ready, man. What a, what a great week one. Just, uh, you know, some great games, some bad games, some huge fantasy performances. Of course, as a, as a connoisseur of the zero running back theorem, uh, you know, not not uh, heartbroken to see a couple guys uh, starting running backs. We're going to have to miss a couple weeks. So really, really just all around uh, a great, a great uh, situation that we're in. And I tweeted out there was something like five touchdowns in the first 10 minutes. You know, sometimes those one o'clock games can start slow. But from a fantasy perspective, we had uh, bombs going all over the place there on the field. It really was a great start. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, I was kind of worried after, uh, you know, after that Thursday night game that, uh, you know, the first Sunday was going to be a little low scoring. And there were some teams that definitely had some rust, but, uh, you know, enough explosive performances to make uh, the whole exercise worth it. 
Davis, I've been a follower of yours for a while. Always great insight on fantasy football, both in and out of season. As I mentioned, you're an original gangster here at Rotoviz. Talk about how you got started in fantasy football, what it was like at Rotoviz back in the day, per se, before we're at the point now. We're really producing tremendous content across all platforms here uh, every week for people at Rotoviz. So I started in fantasy football by I just started my own blog, uh, my my own website way back in, uh, I think, probably 2011, 2012 region. And uh, how I got started at Rotoviz was Fantasy Douche just kind of slid into my DMs and was like, hey, well, you know, we're starting this website. We want to have some more analytically inclined content. And so it was uh, it was me, uh, Fantasy Douche, John Moore, John Bales, Matt Friedman, uh, Rich Rebar was there. Uh, you know, kind of a group of about eight of us. And back when Rotoviz first started, everything was just done on one big email chain. So we'd all just be in this one big email chain. And then when you had an article that was ready to be published, you just email it to Fantasy Douche and he would post it up on the website. It, it really, it really is not, I'm sure it's not anything like the streamlined process that you guys have at Rotoviz today. It's funny, but that's how it starts, though. It always starts with a blog. You're following your passion. I talked to Elliot Christ. I talked to Chris Raybon. So many people, similar stories, right? You go after it and someone will notice you. Hard work pays off. Hard work does pay off. Uh, hard work and, uh, you know, uh, of course, meeting the right people and knowing the right people uh, can't hurt either. Sure. And having fantasy do slide to your DMs. I mean, that, <laughs> that's exactly how it happens, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because that, I mean, that was how, so back in the, you know, that was the wild, wild west of fantasy football, like, People back then, the the average analysis did not have numbers in it, right? Like that, they, it, it was just a lot of like feelings, narrative, yeah, and opinions, mm-hmm. yeah, narrative. Like that, that really was the average content back in 2010, 2011. Let's start, Davis, with the biggest surprise from week one. We'll dive into it right now. It has to be the forty three thirteen pasting by Tennessee of the Browns in Cleveland. That Browns offensive line looks to be an issue. Very surprised. Baker Mayfield, a lot of things didn't click there with Cleveland. And listen, you can make an argument. Line was five, five and a half. Maybe people weren't sure how Tennessee was going to do. But I think the amount they won by was very surprising. And now the Browns are heading to a tough week two Monday night game against the Jets. Uh, I'm not that worried. I'm not, I'm not ready to sound the alarm. I think that, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's actually probably kind of good for a team with as much smoke, uh, blown into them as the Browns to get challenged by a good team at home. Like, I, I think that probably is a, a good thing for them. I tend to not get too worried about offensive lines when the rest of the offense has elite playmakers like Odell Beckham, like Nick Chubb, like Baker Mayfield, like David and Joku. Uh, not great for them that were Shard Higgins got injured in that game because that means that their third wide receiver is likely going to be Damian Ratley who I don't think is a particularly strong player. You know, I, I think that that definitely is a downgrade for them not having that explosive third wide receiver. But I would expect them to be much better against the Jets. And, and also some interesting play calling things. They called a ton of passes, which of course we think is good. But there were a couple obvious situations where research has shown you actually probably should run, which like on like th- like on third and one, if you're not going to run, you should do play action. And there were a couple third and shorts, second and shorts, where uh, they they were just lining up in the spread and there was no play action, which I thought was not great uh, from Todd Todd Munkin and Freddie Kitchens. 
Yeah, especially you mentioned the point there. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a connection with Rashad Higgins. Early in the game, he had something like 40 yards right away. And I do think that what happens is when you get behind and the game script doesn't go as you think it's going to go, which is certainly what happened in this game, you can get away from those core fundamental properties, like you said, play action, which really sets a lot of things up for Cleveland. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, uh, you know, a lot of this just has to come down on Baker, right? Baker, he was just bad. He just did not play well against the Tennessee Titans. And if there, you know, your supposed superstar quarterback does not play well, that's going to be bad for everyone. That's bad for Chubb. That's bad for Njoku. That's bad for Beckham. It, it's just bad for business. Let's head into our new segment here in season, Worried Not Worried for Week 2. People tend to overreact from Week 1. You see it across the board. Victory laps here. People are in a panic for players who didn't perform. I call it the knee-jerk reaction week. It's great for content. I'll tell you that because you have so much here you can talk about. But there are little tidbits of insight sometimes that maybe we should take heed with and project moving forward that it could be a problem. So we talked about Cleveland a little bit. Let's talk about Mitchell Trubisky. Terrible performance on opening night against Green Bay. Overthrowing receivers, underthrowing no accuracy whatsoever. Should owners worry or not worry about Trubisky's performance, especially heading into Denver next week to face Vic Fangio? Uh, yeah, 100%. You got to be worried because he, he basically showed no improvement. And he was a guy who had a really hot start to the season last year, but what really, really tailed off the second end of the year. So if if Mitch Trubisky is not running, he's not going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. We, we just know that to be true. Uh, he does not throw down the field enough, and he's not talented enough to sustain that kind of production uh, without without rushing. And, uh, you know, he barely ran in that game against the Packers at all. Uh, you know, really was not scrambling. So I, I, not, I was not big invested in Mitch Trubisky, but if I was, I would be worried. And I don't consider him a guy that I would be like picking up on waiver wires right now as a buy low. No, and he's very volatile. I know that no quarterback appeared in more million-dollar lineups last year than him. He was the overall QB1 in Week 4, then QB5, QB2, and then again QB2 against Detroit when he had three passing touchdowns, 355 yards in Week 10. So he does have that feast or famine role here, but I agree. Quarterback is so deep. I, I just don't think it's somebody you should pick up. you got to see it first, right, with Trubisky? Yeah, and I mean, even even still, like uh, there are just rushing quarterbacks out there that I like better. Like I think I might even rather add Jacoby Brissett right now. Uh, I know Dak Prescott is not owned in 100% of leagues. I think his ownership percentage when I looked on Yahoo last night was 83%. So if you're one of those 17% of leagues, I think Dak, I mean, Dak, I'm going to have probably as a top five quarterback rest of the season. Now, moving on to the Falcons, they did not look good in the preseason. I remember watching Davis the game against the Jets. He left Matt Ryan in for the whole first half, and they were not able to do much against a poor Jets secondary. But it was preseason, right? No Julio Jones. People were on this game because, of course, Xavier Rhodes did not look good, and he looked slow in the preseason. But sure enough, Vikings step up, play well in their opener, beat the Falcons, sack Matt Ryan four times. They got two interceptions, and they caused a Devonta Freeman fumble. Worried, not worried on Atlanta. They're now home against Philadelphia, Dirk Cotter. Do you think they're going to come around here this week, or are you worried here with this offense with Matt Ryan? 
Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not worried just because we've seen this happen before where Matt Ryan has bad games. He looks bad. Uh, lo- the arm looks weak. Uh, wh- who I would say, I, I mean, I'm not worried about him because Devonta Freeman is one of the few players who in over 300 drafts I didn't draft once. But if I did have Devonta Freeman, I would be, you know, I would trade him for Marquez Valdez Scantling right now. Uh, I would trade him for Will Fuller right now. Like, kind of, you know, those got those wide receivers who were going between like picks 60 and 80 I, I would just be I would be bailing as much as possible on Devonta Freeman that's a great point because this is an explosive Atlanta team and there's always running backs you know we'll talk about some of the in later on that come up here from the late rounds certainly if Freeman gets hurt or something happens whoever steps into that role in Atlanta Edo Smith Brian Hill whoever it can be could really be a league winner in the second half of the season, right? Yeah, and I mean Brian Hill was, he, dude, he was inactive. He was not active in that game against the Vikings. I don't, I don't really know what more the Falcons would have to do. Uh, you know, they showed it in the preseason usage. Like they, they might think Brian Hill is fine, but they think Ito Smith is their second running back. Yeah, very true. Cam Newton had a poor performance at home against the Rams in a game they very much could have won. 25 of 38, only 239 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and a lost fumble. Most surprising to me, negative two yards rushing. Now, he had the ankle injury, but negative two yards from Cam. I mean, you figured he'll be able to get a 10-yard scramble and just slide down at any time. A lot of big playmakers on this team here, especially for fantasy owners. A lot of people were invested. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, McC- McCaffrey, of course, was great. Worried, not worried on Panthers QB Cam Newton? Um, no, not worried, of course. Uh, the only the only Panthers player I would worry about would be Curtis Samuel. Uh, I, 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 bought, I guess I'll, I'll admit, of course, I bought some of the hype on Curtis Samuel. Who wouldn't, right? Uh, the, the, the drum beat was very loud. Uh, you know, everyone at training camp was saying he was great. But then when you sat down to do the math, it was really hard to carve out enough carries or uh, not enough carries, enough targets for him to be, you know, to justify his ADP. So DJ Moore is my highest owned player in fantasy football uh he is he is by far and away you know my number one guy and I I would say I was semi-worried not with his target volume of course but just kind of like the offense just kind of looked okay right uh however they played really fast they were the uh they were the second highest paced offense uh in terms of uh adjusted pace so I thought that was pretty great but no I mean Cam like how many times have we seen him have these horrible games where he just looks bad and like you know oh you know Cam is Cam is done Cam is toast. And then he comes back and has 40 fantasy points the next week. And that could definitely happen this Thursday against Tampa Bay coming into town. You're right about DJ Moore. The question was, who's going to be the top target guy there? It certainly looks like Moore. 10 targets, 7 receptions, 76 yards. Also, all can be involved in the running game at all times. So I agree with you on DJ Moore. Last one, same game here on Thursday night, Jameis Winston. Davis, full disclosure, I am not a Jameis Winston guy. He's always been a turnover machine. But of course, Bruce Arians comes in, volume. He has been able, of course, to put games together where he's had three touchdowns, 350 yards passing. He has 61 career interceptions in 57 games. Now, listen, Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin are the choices behind there. So he's going to have the longest leash, leash possible. But are you worried about Jameis Winston? No, no, you, you you can't be worried, right? Like because this, like exactly, literally, you just said exactly why you can't be worried. He's just being who he is. 
Uh, he is a guy who just throws a ton of interceptions. He is basically, uh, I, I saw this really interesting tweet by Adam Hardstead, uh, you know, when he was talking about, you know, sacks being a quarterback stat. But basically, Jameis Winston is addicted to pos- positive plays. He doesn't care about throwing interceptions because he's always trying to push the ball down the field. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a good example of a team that just is, there's going to be massive high variance for the Buccaneers. Uh, Jameis had two touchdowns right in a row called back by kind of ticky tack penalties, two touchdowns Mm -hmm. to Cameron Brait. And I think that really would have changed the game. Uh, You know, I think Jameis playing with a lead versus playing behind is a lot different of a player. And at the point in which Jameis is, is, you know, down uh, two scores at the end of the game, you basically just got to get your, your helmet ready for the pick six. Cause he is, (laughs) he is going to be pushing, he's going to be pushing those throws into every window. And if one of them does not come off, uh, you know, it's going to be bad. And I think the, the biggest point you made is that, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the backup anymore. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he doesn't even have a Ryan Tannehill level backup. Blaine Gabbert and, and Ryan Griffin are not NFL quality starters so he's not getting benched until he gets hurt or maybe in like a four interception game or something he would get benched for the second half but uh i am i am not worried about Jameis winston in the buccaneers offense also mike evans was apparently really sick yeah flu active Mm -hmm. in that game but he 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 was not full health so that's another reason why like i think mike evans is a perfect fit for Jameis Winston. And I think him not being fully healthy uh, was kind of evidenced in that game. I'm going to go out of limb here, Davis, because this will be posted on Friday morning. All those reasons you just said, the DGAF attitude with Winston, the volume, love the over in the Thursday night game with Carolina. So we'll see how that one works out. I do want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount here at Rotoviz. Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content we have here on the site, and it does support the pod. Also, please consider supporting the pod through Patreon.com. It's back for its second season. It's fantastic. Patronships start at just $6. You get exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channels for patrons only. We go back and forth. We give you advice. Interact with the podcast host, the writers. Slack channel's been fantastic. Really enjoyed it so far. At the higher end tier for patrons of $9 per month, it's still a great deal, and you get some Rotoviz merch at the end of the season. So become a Rotoviz patron today. Join exclusive community at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz radio. And we appreciate you helping us to continue the industry leading content and all the shows we do for free each week on the network. Davis, some key injuries from week one. Want to get your thoughts moving forward on how this affects fantasy outcomes. Let's go to Kansas City. Best offense there in the league. Tyreek Hill went to the hospital with a shoulder injury. He's going to be out for several weeks. However, the offense didn't miss a beat. Sammy Watkins exploded. Nine receptions, 198 yards, three touchdowns against Jacksonville's secondary. Very impressive. Thoughts moving forward. Is it Miko Hartman time in Kansas City? Well, Sammy Watkins was my preseason wide receiver 17. So uh, I feel looking very good, Davis. Good. Looking good right now. <laughs> feel pretty good about that. Uh, I, I feel good about the Chiefs offense in general. You know, I don't think that Tyreek Hill not being active is going to murder them. However, I would maybe hesitate on saying that it was McCole Hardman time because he actually played 90% of the snaps in this game, but saw only one target and don't believe he recorded a reception. I think the, the big beneficiaries here are Damian Williams because uh, he was used far more in the passing game than LaShawn McCoy was, though it is possible that that would switch
switch as McCoy gets more time in this offense and maybe he just ends up being you know one of the best values in all of fantasy football I think Travis Kelsey obviously gets a huge bump from this and Demarcus Robinson uh, is actually the guy I expect to kind of play I I think Watkins is going to move into the Tyreek Hill role where he's the guy who's moving pre-snap he's the guy getting the jet motions uh, and I, I think Demarcus Robinson will move into the Watkins role and then McCole Hardman is going to move into the Demarcus Robinson role where he really is used to clear out space and not so much as a heavily targeted player. That's a good point. And, and of course, if Patrick Mahomes chose to actually look at Travis Kelsey in the end zone instead of attempting a no-look pass, fantasy owners could have had an even bigger day. Travis Kelsey, eight targets, only three receptions, 88 yards, though. Mahomes did miss him for a straight up wide open touchdown. Yep. Like he mm-hmm. was he was running uncovered. Yep. There was about eight yards of space and Mahomes just I, I don't know if he was trying to be tricky or if they, like the, the arm angle was weird, but he was not looking at Travis Kelsey when he threw the pass and he just missed him. Same game. Jacksonville, Nick Foles, great touchdown pass, suffers a broken clavicle and is out for a while now. They're hoping to get him back second half of the year, leaving the Jags with rookie Gardner Minshew, who actually went 22 of 25 for 275 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, played very well. The Jags actually brought in a new quarterback now, Josh Dobbs. How does this affect one of my fantasy crushers preseason, Didi Westbrook? How do you think it's going to affect them there with Minshew? Well, I think Gardner Minshew is good. Right. Uh, he was a guy that I wrote up uh, pretty. I mean, I mean, how much can you write up a six round rookie quarterback? <laughs> he was a, he was a guy. He was a guy that I liked. Uh, I might my, my preseason uh, scouting report on Roto Experts was it was overall pretty positive on him. He's he's got a just a really interesting story. Uh, he was like a grad transfer. So he's a little bit older than you'd expect. But he comes in. He goes 22 of 25 against, you know, admittedly a not super great Kansas City Chiefs defense. But, you know, the Jags, uh, I think they got. Dobbs just because they need another guy but I, I, I it, clearly they're going to start Minshew right like I don't think they're going to trade for Josh Dobbs give him this new playbook and have him start on on four days of practice right I wouldn't think so, but he has weapons there. It's promising. He's got Fournette. DJ Char can explode. D.D. Westbrook. So he's got some weapons there, and he could be a very sneaky play in two quarterback leagues for sure. Been asking this question to everyone who's come on the pod. Davis, what's your favorite American band of all time? Uh, I mean, if, so if we're going like classics, uh, it would be the Eagles, but like my actual favorite is Nirvana for sure. Not, e- not even close. Oh, that's an excellent one. Love Nirvana. Absolutely. Very good. We've gotten some interesting answers here. That, that's a pretty solid one. Got a question here from a Bills fan. Fortunate to escape with a win on Sunday. Do you think Josh Allen will bounce back? He's got to go in the same stadium against the Giants this week. And please tell me that Devin Singletary will be the lead running back moving forward instead of Frank Gore. And how come TJ Yeldon surprisingly did not get a target or a rushing attempt. So talk about Josh Allen here in week two and then talk about Devin Singletary in that backfield. Well, I think uh, our Bills fan friend, I think he's definitely right. I think that uh, Singletary is clearly the lead running back moving forward. You'd think that uh, a rookie playing his first ever game, especially one where his team is playing from behind almost the entire game, you'd think that was a pretty obvious scenario for veteran TJ Yeldon to come in and pass block and handle the receiving downward. Sure. But that didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. Seven targets for Devin Singletary in his first NFL game, despite the fact that he wasn't really a good pass catcher at FAU and his 
his receiving work declined every year that he was there. I mean, if you were saying, okay, what's the biggest positive signal you could have for Singletary? I mean, other than, of course, him just like straight up dominating the backfield like Josh Jacobs did in his debut, you'd say, oh, well, I'd want to see him working in the passing game. And he did. So I would say like uh, what I what I thought would happen was that Frank Gore would play a lot early on and then TJ Yeldon and center Reese Perry would play a little bit after that but it was really just a two-man backfield and you know I I mean it's pretty clear to tell us a story Devin Singletary is going to play more and more as he you know just kind of proves himself to the coaching staff at least that's what we would expect after the first week absolute hot waiver wire pickup this week Devin Singletary for sure you have so much great content out there, Davis. The uh, Roto Experts, the Do Not Draft list, always fantastic. One of the players you were very low on was 49ers wide receiver Dante Pettis. Had one reception for seven yards on just two snaps. Not targets, snaps. In their 31-17 win over a poor defensive Tampa Bay team. Kyle Shanahan has gone out of his way to say, we need Pettis to be good. I'm going to be hard on him here. But that first game, very ominous. Talk about why you think his situation isn't likely to change anytime soon. Oh, yeah, very efficient on a on a per snap basis, right? I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. If, I don't know if anyone else. I don't know if anyone else uh, caught a pass on fifty percent of their snaps. Uh, so he's got that going for him. I would say the biggest things in the way of Dante Pettis being good are the fact that rookie Debo Samuel actually led them in their. You know, he led them in snaps right away. Like no one expected that. Everyone thought Marquise Goodwin would lead them in snaps. And then, uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin is just a good veteran wide receiver. He's not going to the bench anytime soon. He's pretty clearly their uh, their best like deep option. And then whoever starts at them for wide receiver is going to be behind in targets for George Kittle. Kittle looked, you know, every bit as good and dominant as he did last season. Uh, you know, he, he had two touchdowns called back by penalty, one in which he absolutely destroyed a safety on the way yep. to the end zone mm-hmm. uh, it was it was just crazy uh, so I, I think Pettis is uh, you know if you could get anything for him if you could get your streaming defense of choice next week uh, or if for example if you who plays Miami this week it's uh oh the Patriots is it, is it, is it yeah so if you could get the if you could get the Patriots defense for Dante Pettis I would I would do that I, I just don't want him on my roster I could imagine you put that trade out the first would be like wait, wait what am I missing here what's going on I don't on? think you I don't think you could do it I I literally think if you offered Dante Pettis right now for the Patriots defense, the answer would be no. No one would take it. (laughs) I wish I could fit that in the title. Trade Dante Pettis for the Patriots defense. That, That would be fantastic. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
Did, did anyone perform well in week one that was on that list? There's one guy. There's one guy that we should talk about who had a great game, which is Derrick Henry. He was on the do not draft list, and I and I think that it's an important thing for people to analyze. Okay. Well, why was this guy on the do not draft list? And what okay. are the potential range of outcomes? And Derrick Henry having these crazy games where he scores, uh, you know, 30 DraftKings points or whatever. These are totally in the range of outcomes for him on any given play because he's he's got tremendous long speed and he is a really good athlete. If Derrick Henry played on a team that really valued throwing to the running back or Deion Lewis wasn't his teammate, I would have been way more into him. But even in that huge game, he still only saw two targets, which is that's that's crazy, right? Like it's crazy for him to have this big week and still only get two targets. Like what other big running back game came with two targets? You'd say Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs, we project for way more receiving downwork. So I, I still don't feel bad about Derrick Henry being on my do not draft list is really what I'm trying to say, even though I understand that some running backs that I faded in those mid rounds are going to have huge games and and some of them might even have huge seasons. I might miss out on a massive Derrick Henry season or a massive Leonard Fournette season or a massive Chris Carson season because I just in general am fading a lot of those mid-round running backs. If Derrick Henry has a very good year and I was higher on him than you were preseason, you can't take a victory lap after a 75-yard touchdown reception. You can't do that. You have to see a larger sample size. So we'll see moving forward. But like you said... Well, he, he was good. I don't want to take it away from I don't want to take it away from people who drafted from him. It's very possible that I was wrong about Derrick Henry because he he did dominate the the rushing game too. He had 19 carries. Deion Lewis only had three. That was not the split that I was projecting preseason. TJ Hernandez joined us two weeks ago, talked about his strong aversion to IPAs. What's the go-to drink of choice on a Friday night in the Maddox household? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm very addicted to these Steez brand unsweetened, uh, lemon teas. I, I probably drink 15 of them a week. It's, it's just black tea with, I think probably lemon juice in it, but I, I, I will like honestly drink like two of them a day. Is that how you nailed your do not draft list? You pretty much drank that tea. It sort of like calms you there and clears your mind. And then you're just able to start to see things like the matrix on, on who well, players it's a, it's you a get. Very, it's a very boring answer, but uh, I don't really like drinking water. Like I understand the drinking water is very important. Uh, it's super key to like just overall health. You drink more water, you're going to feel better, but I, I don't like to drink it. So I've, I, instead of just drinking coffee all day, I've switched to trying to drink as much tea as possible to stay hydrated and still get, you know, a little bit of caffeine. Question here from a panicking Kyler Murray fantasy owner. Is Kyler a trade or a drop now? He was awful for most of that game. I'm worried Kingsbury is just another failed college to pros coach. I talked about this on Twitter, Davis. Is Cliff Kingsbury, he could be just like Paul Westhead of the running gun loyal and Marymount College basketball days of the 80s. Obviously, it's one game. They did have a nice comeback. You mentioned Rick Neuheisel, which I thought was a great one. What are your thoughts moving forward on Kyler Murray and this Arizona offense? I mean, how could you how could you want to drop him after watching the entirety of that game? Knee jerk, knee jerk reaction. <laughs> well, Cliff, I, I so I would say, you know, I came away half impressed and half really discouraged by Kingsbury. I thought I thought he played for the tie. 
Uh, and I, I thought he kind of played for the competitive loss as well with that field goal attempt that he took in the fourth quarter instead of going for it on fourth down. But I think it's very clear this offense is built to just spit out fantasy points. They had two wide receivers with over 10 targets. That was uh, Keyshawn Johnson and Christian Kirk. Larry Fitzgerald had an amazing game. David Johnson had a huge game where he was used as a wide receiver. Even Demir Bird had four catches for 45 yards in this game. So everyone involved in this offense had a good to great fantasy day. You know, a huge fantasy day for Kyler, huge fantasy day for DJ, huge fantasy day for Larry Fitzgerald, and, and you know, usable fantasy days for Demir Bird, Keyshawn Johnson, and Christian Kirk. I, I'm not, I would be buying these guys. I would be, if you, if you think, well, I wouldn't buy them now. I'd first, I'd buy them after this Baltimore game. I would be, I would be making trades or, or targeting these guys after or before the Baltimore game if you think uh, owners in your league are going to bench them. It's the instant gratification world. Probably watched the first half, Davis, and then he panicked and said, that's it, and then disregards the comeback because he feels it's garbage time. Well, I was, I was panicking. I was panicking during that first half because I not only not only am I really invested in this offense and fantasy, but of course I've been talking all offseason about how I wanted to own these players in fantasy. And, uh, you know, Kyler looked bad. And, and really, Cliff was just, he was getting too fancy in the first half. They were, they were just doing too much, basically. Fantasy football buy or sell time. It's sponsored by FFBcast. Visit FFBcast.com for your fantasy league's very own custom podcast. They record custom podcasts for your fantasy league. Their quick clips episode gives a video option where you can live stream their recording on the Twitch channel. Don't forget about the weekly recaps as well. Follow them on Twitter at FFBcast. Check them out, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Davis, these are players that are buys or sells based off their one first one-week performance. So the question is, are you buying them or are you selling them? All of these, of course, assuming half-point PPR. Sony Michelle, 15 rushes, 14 yards, no targets in the big Patriots win. What you're hoping for with Sony Michelle is that he somehow sucks against the Dolphins and they they like you would you would hope that they activate Damian yeah. Harris mm-hmm. or just give Rex Burkhead a ton of carries and then you could come in with the uh, MVS for Sony Michelle offer or come in with the Christian Kirk for Sony mm, Michelle offer cuz I didn't I didn't want to draft Sony but of course, there's a chance that he just has an absurd, you know, 14 touchdown season because this offense looks great, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the offense looks ready to go. And they just gave all the carries to Rex this last week. And I don't even think Sony's that good, just like I don't think Josh Jacobs is really that good. But they're in completely ideal like situations for their skill set. So I would say sell right now, but buy in two weeks. Yep, LeGarrette Blunt showed us the way there. Sony Michelle could absolutely come back and have a big touchdown season. Malcolm Brown, a guy you were very high on, 11 rushes, 53 yards, two touchdowns. Is he a buy in that Rams offense? Oh, big time. Big time buy. Yeah, I, I would be, I would be, I mean, I don't know if you probably, you probably can't trade him. You, you probably can't trade for him, right? Like who, who drafted, who drafted Malcolm Brown that's going to trade him to you right now? And the value between him and Todd Gurley, not even close, of course. No, he, he's a guy who'd be very difficult to get. Person we heard a lot of ton about in the offseason, we talked about this, Curtis Samuel, the Panthers, three receptions, 32 yards. DJ Moore, like we said, clearly the lead wide receiver one. But do you think Samuel's a guy you could kind of trade for here because he had a bad week one on the knee-jerk reaction? Man, it's tough because like I kind of wavered. I kind of wavered on Curtis Samuel, right? I, I I did not start out the season projecting him where he was being drafted, and I kind of let the market convince me that maybe I was wrong. So I I would say he's he's a hold right now. 
Um, but I, I certainly, I certainly would not sell him at this point. Maybe, maybe wait for a good week. You know, if, if, if he has like a, a really good week on like five targets, that would be a good sell point. And, and I, I would say if I was forced to say one of the two things, I would say buy just because I like the offense and I like his skill set. but I don't think that we can expect, you know, a top 15 PPR season from him at all. One of the biggest and most impressive wide receiver performances was by Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper comes in, plantar fascia. He had a huge game as well. He seems fine. But Gallup, seven receptions, 158 yards. I think his over-under receiving yards in this game was something like 50. Cooper got the touchdown. Cobb got a touchdown. Blake Jarwin and, of course, the ageless Jason Witten. You buying on Gallup or was just just a product of a bad giant secondary? Oh, big time buy. Big, yep. big. I mean, I'm buying Cobb. I'm buying Blake Jarwin. I'm buying Jason Witten. I'm buying Tony Pollard. Like this Dallas offense. I, I in my my bold prediction tweet that I had uh, at the right before the start of the season was that Dallas was going to lead the NFL in yards per play. And uh, you know, I, I just as 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 someone who grew up as a Dallas Cowboys fan, but has kind of wavered in that faith over the years. I was just so excited. That was the best offensive game that uh, the Cowboys have ever had in my lifetime where Tony Romo wasn't the quarterback. I was the same. I grew up as a Cowboy fan and I've been disgruntled and disenfranchised over the last few years with the moves they've made. But since 1995, this is the best Dallas team that I've seen. Defense, offensive line, Frederick's back, just opening holes, Pollard for depth. I agree. I think Gallup's a big, big buy. Last one, Aaron Jones. He produced, I remember in the Dallas game in the past, he was 30 fantasy points there in Dallas. Bell cow, not a bell cow. Jamal Williams, very involved here. Buying or selling Aaron Jones rest of schedule? Uh, I would be selling Aaron Jones because I think you you know on these guys, right? Is this guy going to be a bell cow or is he not going to be a bell cow? And Jones probably will have some bell cow games, but I don't think he's going to have Eight, like 80% of his games be bell cow games. Uh, and, and just every year, every year we see it, you know, some of these round two to round five running backs bust. They, and, and a lot of time there's no rhyme or reason to it. They, we just know that historically some of them bust. And it seems like if Aaron Jones is going to be leaving the field for passing downs, that it's going to be more bust weeks than not. He still is going to have some weeks where he has like, you know, crazy touchdown runs or two goal line carries or whatever. So I don't you don't you don't have to sell him if you have him. But if those were the two options, I would sell. Another question I got here, same area that Aaron Jones was being drafted, Carrion Johnson. This is a Carrion Johnson owner. What the heck happened to Carrion Johnson? 16 rushes for 49 yards against an awful Arizona run defense, and he only had two targets in the passing game as well. So the question is, what are you thinking of Carrion Johnson? Him and Aaron Jones are very similar. I mean, Carrion Johnson projected to have more volume in that offense for sure, maybe, because you figure it's run first offense with Matt Patricia and Bevel. But are you worried here about about Carrion Johnson? What do you think owners should do with him? I mean, C.J. Anderson, 11 carries, 35 yards. J.D. McKissick, two targets, 24 yards. I, I, it, that's a tough scene. Uh, and they kind of forecasted it a little bit with their preseason. So in that second preseason game, carry on left the field, his first three snaps on third down for CJ Anderson. And now he's, now he's leaving the field for JD McKissick on third downs. Uh, not, not, 
you know, two targets is not the end of the world. You know, 16 carries, two targets is that's not, you know, you don't have to drop carry on Johnson or anything, but he, I think he is going to prove to not be an Uber back, which is, you know, that's kind of what you wanted from him. Snapshare. That's the problem for sure. What's the best Christmas or birthday gift you received as a child? Oh, I mean, I think everyone uh, of my age remembers the first time they got a PlayStation. The, yep. the the first the first Christmas morning or birthday when you got the PlayStation that was I mean that was clearly the best one I remember mine came a man I must have been so I'm so old now it probably came with like Madden 2000 or Madden oh. 2001 yep yeah like uh, just crazy how long ago that was but I I still remember like unwrapping it and being like wow this is the best thing ever put the disc in the disc goes around yeah I mean everyone mm-hmm. who's come on has pretty much set a video game system absolutely 100% yeah I mean a bunch of bunch of fantasy football nerds of course it was <laughs> like you know of, of course it wasn't like thing uh, literate or or like a uh, worldly it was definitely <laughs> like oh man my first PlayStation or my first Xbox was the best All right Street Fighter exactly 100% uh-huh. time for the week two lightning round pick the player you think is going to have a bigger week two performance Tyler Boyd at home against Sam Fran or Keenan Allen for the Chargers at Detroit. Got to be, got to be Keenan Allen with Mike Williams maybe not being active for this game. Keenan Allen was huge for them in that Colts game and was playing more uh, down the field than he had in years past. His touchdown reception was crazy. Yeah, you know that, that's a close call too. I agree with you. That's a close call. Tyler Boyd got off to a fantastic start with the volume against Seattle, and then they didn't really continue going to him as much. But yeah, I agree. Keenan Allen, if no Mike Williams, you know he's a he's a must start. Week one superstar, Marlon Mack, who destroyed the Chargers. He's at Tennessee now, better run defense. Or James Conner to bounce back at home against the Seattle Seahawks. For the sake of my soul, it just it absolutely has to be James Conner. Please, mm-hmm. please, for the love of for the love of all things that are good, make it be James Conner. He's looked so good, and they tried some things, Davis, in that game against the Patriot with the misdirection, and they just got down too much. If they control the pace, remember last year, James Conner had something like 33 rushing attempts in a game. He can get the volume there, but they, they need to play from the lead, I think, a lot with him. I, I really adjusted my projections a lot towards James Conner after seeing those preseason games with Jalen not playing with the first-team offense at all, and it's looking like, regardless of outcomes of individual games, it's looking like that was not uh, not good two quarterbacks that struggled there in the first game Rams QB Jared Goff returns home against New Orleans or Matt Ryan coming back after that performance against the Vikings facing the Eagles at home who do you like better Goff or Ryan uh Goff for sure yeah he's got the weapons too as well and it certainly looked like Deshaun had no trouble last night against that Saints secondary so Goff should be able to light it up and last one tight end Evan Ingram at home against the Bills or George Kittle like you said two touchdowns call back with penalties on the road at Cincinnati so I'm gonna say Kittle but I think that in my rest of season rankings that I am updating today I am going to move Evan Ingram to tight end three over Zach Hertz Oh, wow. I could see that. Yeah. I, I mean, 100 yards, he's going to get volume in that Giants offense. Absolutely. Well, it just it just seems like Deshaun Jackson, while he's healthy, is clearly ahead in the pecking order because it wasn't just the one, you know, it wasn't just the deep plays like Deshaun Jackson was prominently involved in that offense. Yeah, for sure. And I was disappointed, too, with Dallas Goddard. I still think he's going to be an issue moving forward, but didn't have a great week one performance. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they were they were just smashing so much that it was kind of just like, you know, whoever whoever was open was going to get the ball in that second half. Davis, what's the best sporting event you ever attended in person? 
I'll be honest, I've ran very hot with uh, with attending great games. I was at the um, the famous overtime Oklahoma City Golden oh. State game where Steph Curry oh. hit the game winner from oh. 40 feet. I was at the PGA Championship that Brooks Kepka won over Tiger Woods uh, last year in wow. St. Louis. And I was at the uh, the Game 7 World Series where Madison Bumgarner came in on three days rest to throw six shutout innings and beat the Royals. Uh, and and all in all of those, uh, the person I wanted to win didn't win, except for the Brooks Kepka one. I, I would say the Oklahoma City Golden State game was the most like unbelievable as it was happening. Like the, the building was just so crazy there. Those are strong answers. Yeah, how like how good how good can you run? Like it was a random March baseball game or a random March basketball game. And then uh, I, I got the tickets to the World Series game because I had a buddy who was who worked for the MLB social media office, but just like just got very lucky to go to be at all those instances. That, that's a great, great collection of events. I mean, you're running hot. I mean, just to find out where Davis Maddock is going next sporting event. Yeah, that's that's running. That's just running like very life hot for sure. So you put out a, a tweet here, which was fantastic, of all the targets from week one, uh, players, uh, wide receiver, tight end, running back. Just want to go through a couple quickly and, and think about how you're, what you're going to project for them moving forward. Jamison Crowder got 17 targets, 14 catches, 17 targets, 99 yards. Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson was a little banged up here. What are your thoughts on Crowder moving forward? He's finally had that performance that, you know, truthers like myself who thought he could lead the league in receptions two, three years ago, you know, had it. Breakout performance. What do you think about Crowder moving forward here? I mean, if you if you drafted him, you're of course you're not dropping him, right? And you're probably even starting him next week. My concern with him would be if I was really heavily invested in him, would be I think that Herndon coming back is going to cut down on those a lot of those super short area targets. It seems like that is going to be where Herndon, uh, you know, would like that's going to be where he produces when he comes back from suspension. Interested to hear what you're going to say about Christian Kirk. Uh, Adam Levitan put a tweet out where he wasn't playing with the ones a lot during preseason. He did get 12 targets in this game. He had four receptions, 32 yards. Is he a buy low for you right now, Christian Kirk, in this offense? Because Fitzgerald had a monster game there. How could he not be? I mean... Like they, he, he, I thought he looked good too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, Keyshawn Johnson, Demir Bird, get, get them all, get them all on your rosters, guys. And the one that kills me here is I was a huge Deshaun Jackson fan touting him in the preseason. I didn't put him in my DFS lineup only because I was worried about that minor injury on his ring finger. Last year, he killed it the first two we- first four weeks, and again, he had a massive performance here. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 154 yards. You talked about it. I think he's first in the pecking order there in Philadelphia. Uh, man, okay. I think I would probably trade Deshaun Jackson away if I if I had him and could get good value for him. Like if it was if it was a wide receiver for a running back trade and someone, you know, really bought into that performance, I would I would get rid of him. And and not because I don't think he's good or I don't think these performances are repeatable because he's one of the best deep target wide receivers the NFL has ever seen. But basically just just because of his age, uh, you know, the history of wide receivers of this age are just that, uh, you know, they're more likely to suffer soft tissue injuries and 
I know he blew up week one, but he's got a lot of competition for targets. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is there. Zach Ertz is there. Dallas Goddard is there. Nelson Aguilar is there, who is someone who, you know, is still on the roster. And then at some point, they're going to start bringing in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside as well. Uh, So I think there's going to be a lot of weeks where he's closer to four targets than 10 targets. Yeah, I agree. I'm just so mad that I missed out on that. Yeah, it is so tilting to miss out on those huge games from him. Absolutely. Last year, that New Orleans game, Five targets, five receptions, 146 yards, wide receiver, three overall. Had a great one this week. Davis, fantastic information. I just got one more and then we'll get you out of here. You always hear the adage, you can't win your fantasy league in those first two rounds, but you certainly can lose it. So the drafts have occurred. Who is an early round player that you avoided, all right, who maybe you think if somebody did take that player – it's a target to sell now. Sort of like last year, David Johnson, Rob Gronkowski did not have good seasons, really kill people if they took them early on. So who's a top-level player that you think either they were drafted and they did have a good performance, so you're like, get out right now, or they yeah. were drafted and they had a bad performance and you're saying, listen, it's not going to get any better. Who's that guy for you? Um, maybe Nick Chubb. Ooh, okay. You know, I, I, could see, I could see Nick Chubb just having an okay year. Uh, you know, maybe 1,100 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, 40 receptions or something like that. Like a good, like kind of like David Johnson was last year. David Johnson finished as running back nine. And uh, did, did you, were you happy to have him in any given week? Absolutely not. Uh, that's a great one. Yeah, it's like the Frank Gore corollary where he has like 80 yards every week, David Johnson, last year, and he finishes high, but you really aren't happy to have him because he's not a, a league winner in any way. I mean, I think most of the first two round guys, I'm looking at ADP here right now, and all of them were good enough. Uh, Evans was sick. Tyreek got hurt, but pretty much everyone else you were like yeah they're they're fine i mean maybe Devonte adams if you think that mvs really comes on and and that offense is just not going to be prolific maybe i would think about uh, a Devonte adams swap yeah the one that that surprised me there was geronimo allison he had nothing in that game i, I wonder if he's going to get a larger share or if that was a prelude of, of things to come yeah uh i mean so i i i just i had this big argument with drew dinkmeyer who is way more intelligent than me who basically said, look, Geronimo Allison in the games where him and MVS were both active, out-targeted him. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent who's held on to a roster where the quarterback hates undrafted free agents. So I kind of lost this argument to project MVS over Allison in that game. And uh, so everything that Drew said was right up until that point. But I think pretty clearly at some point this offseason, MVS moved ahead of Allison in the Green Bay pecking order. And I think that the most important thing in that offense is what Aaron Rodgers thinks of you. And I think Aaron Rodgers thinks highly of Marquez Valdez scaling. So I am, I am, this is another wide receiver where if you offered, if you offered Geronimo Allison for the Patriots defense right now in your 12 team home league with your buddies, do you think that you'd get the trade? It's exactly right. It's a great tar. It's a great question. And if Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing you the ball, then it's, it's not going to matter. You have to be in, in good stead with him for sure. Folks, Davis Maddock, host of the Take Cast here at Rotoviz. Sports Grid NFL pod, Roto experts all over the place, expert when it comes to fantasy football. Great follow there, at Davis Maddock on Twitter. Covered so many things. Great insight there. Robust answers there, Davis. Can't thank you enough for coming on the bag. Really appreciate it. 
Hey man, anytime. Love, love to come back and do the road of his pods. I think you guys are doing great stuff over here. Uh, you know, really enjoy all the all of the stuff that you guys are putting out. And if you guys, uh, you know, if you want to hear more of uh, of this stuff, head on over and uh, pretty much have a daily podcast coming out on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast feed these days. That's an automatic for me. Absolutely, no doubt. Thanks, Davis. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcasts. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. haunting these woods and they're headed straight for roaring camp railroads is it a trick no it's thomas and percy's halloween party and with a bounce house pumpkin patch temporary tattoos and face painting plus photos with sir top and hats it's certainly going to be a treat so get down to roaring camp before all the fun disappears weekends october 12th through the 27th This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.